Matthew chapter 15, we'll be looking at the first uh, 20 verses. Hear the word of God. And the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, Why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If anyone tells his father or his mother what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites! Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. He called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. Then the disciples came to him and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this thing? He answered them, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. And Peter said to him, Explain the parable to, him, to us. And he said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. The word of the Lord. Um, so I hope you've all washed your hands before you've come here. Um, okay. In this conversation we have Jesus uh, with the Jesus with the religious elite, if you will. Um, Jesus with the Pharisees. We've seen Jesus with all kinds of different people. One of the fascinating things is to see who Jesus spends his time with. Um, and typically uh, sinner after sinner, people with all kinds of different struggles and confusion that he's interacting with. Uh, but here we see Jesus with the religious elite in that conversation. Um, and if you, uh, if you find that you don't really like to be around uh, religious people, um, it seems from the passage that you may be in good company. Um, some of you who made it here uh, tonight uh, are, are skeptical of, you know, why'd you even decide to come here? Um, you've, you've been over your course of people that you've known in your life often annoying with Christians. Um, that as Christians again and again, you found to just be closed-minded and narrow and judging of others, and, and judging others when they have all kind of uh, things going on in their own life that are messed up. And you've see, seen them as hypocritical and been frustrated with that often, and you're like, what am I doing in a, in a Christian meeting? Or, or some of you have friends who that's why they're not here if you invited them because that's their perspective on things or why you wouldn't invite them or, or would feel uncomfortable with them knowing um, that you're at RUF. Um, if you're frustrated with religious elitism, uh, self-righteousness, and hypocrisy, what you see in this conversation is, is Jesus is more so. 
and that Jesus is, is dealing with it. In fact, in all the conversations of Scripture, we see many of Jesus' harshest words uh, come out uh, and are reserved for the religious elite. But still, when we look at this passage, uh, Jesus' conversations here challenge us uh, in a lot of ways, because Jesus is dealing with all these uh, problems and dealing with us in it. As always, Jesus is calling us to himself, calling us into his kingdom only through him. And so he's calling us away from the religious elite and from all their errors, but also away from, away from our, just our criticism of their hypocrisy, just our judgment of them. Uh, I appreciate the complaint against hypocritical uh, Christians, and it's often, uh, way too often, well-founded. Well um, but notice even in this passage that it's the Pharisees who are criticizing Jesus' disciples, his followers. The problems that they're going to bring out are what his followers are doing and how, how, how that's there. Maybe things there. Uh, but, but let's look at Jesus. The passage is calling us to see who Jesus is and who Jesus is for us and how he addresses our perspective, how we need him. Uh, Jesus deals with the religious elite, hypocrites. And uh, we'll look at just three sides of it as we go through the passage uh, and see him rejecting them, uh, see him contradicting them, um, and see him uh, in some sense replacing them with himself. Um, but first of all, then we see how Jesus uh, rejects the religious elite, um, and in particular the contrast that he brings out between uh, how we live before man or before God, that Jesus rejects the religious elite. There's sometimes when, uh, when, when we just want someone to get what they deserve, right? We just want them to, to get it. Like we want to see the bully get, get beat down, to get what's coming to them. Right, we've, got a, we've got a word we use for that, right? I love this word, comeuppance. Comeuppance. We want someone to get the, their comeuppance, right? Well, what they've got coming to them. Um, some of you were at the Miami game beginning of the year and saw the, uh, saw the fight that broke out in the student section. I still have a very clear image of my mind from up on one side looking down to the end zone and, uh, and seeing that progress. And, and I'll admit, I was worried for the guy. Uh, you know, I saw like the whole hands and he's yelling at them and they're all yelling at him. And then, uh, I mean, it got, it got brutal. I saw guys just totally rear back and just wailing and a whole crowd of people just like kicking and kicking. And there was just one guy there, right? Um, so I was, you know, I was a little bit relieved finally uh, when the cops get there that they weren't carrying the guy out in the stretcher. Somehow he was able to walk out, right? And he seemed, he seemed all right with it in some sense. Uh, he and he was another FSU guy who was, who was throwing it down uh, and walked out. But, but at the same time, from what I heard from some others who were a little bit closer to where this fight gro- broke out, um, this Miami fan is, is there in a whole section of Seminole fans. And he's just egging on all the Seminole. He's talking trash. He's talking the smack. They're yelling back at him. And he goes up into, like, into the bleachers and everything to a particular student. And they're up in each other's face. And the Miami guy throws the first punch. Um, the problem is, still goes, comeuppance. You know what I mean? Like, he, the student says, he got his comeuppance there. I feel bad for the guy. I do. I do. Um, this is how we feel with the, with the Pharisees here or in other passages, right? Muffins. Uh, they're getting what they, what they deserve. Uh, Jesus tells them off, and we love it uh, because they deserve it, or because they're condemning and looking down and pretending to make sure that they're, that they're righteous, and Jesus just straight tells them off. 
Um, Jesus isn't content uh, with hypocrisy. Jesus isn't complacent about hypocrisy or elitism. And Jesus calls us not to be. In fact, what you see is Jesus uh, rejecting them. Uh, you bring out this quote from Isaiah, and even the content of the quote is great, but Jesus is like, you hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you uh, when he said these things, right? Now you go back, Isaiah wrote you know, several hundred years earlier, and his prophecy, you're just looking at a historical context, you say, most of this applies to uh, God's people who are being rejected by him, who are being sent out of God's presence, out of God's promised land, into exile. While God will continue to save his people through a remnant, uh, these folks are being, are being rejected by God, sent off into exile, sent off into judgment. And Jesus says, when Isaiah was talking about these who were exiled and sent away from God, he was talking about you. I mean, you're one of the Pharisees who's there then, you're like, we are the remnants. We are the remaining righteous that God has brought back to, to his land. We've got this all, all set up right. Jesus says, no, uh, you are the ones who Isaiah has, pro- has prophesied about. And God is rejecting you. Um, and it's because of their hypocrisy. Um, especially as the passage that brings it out here, Jesus brings it out. Their hypocrisy in putting man before God. Putting man before God. You've you got to love just the way this conversation develops, right? I mean... So the Pharisees are here and they come up to Jesus because the disciples haven't washed their hands. And it's not like they're not worried about whether or not the disciples are going to get the swine flu and they didn't use the Perel container on the way in the cafeteria. It's like religious cleansing and stuff. But they're, but they're concerned about this and they're, they're accusing Jesus to the disciples and so accusing Jesus. Um, but you, you break the tradition of the elders. Um, and Jesus just he takes their accusation and points the finger right back at them. Of the question to them, um, why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? Um, they've got a, there's a much bigger deal going on here than, than hand washing or even in ritual cleansing. He's saying, these guys, you're, you're breaking one of the big ten, right? One of the, big, one of the ten commandments here, even from just how you use your tradition. Placing man's tradition above God's word or commandments. Um, and what he brings out, I'm sure he could have brought out other examples, uh, was that they're called to honor father and mother. And you know, that when, you're, when you're little, that means one thing of honoring your father and mother. But when, as you get older and as your parents get older, he's bringing out another aspect of it. That, that you are to care for your parents. When they're no longer able to care for themselves, uh, you're, you're providing for them out of your money, out of your resources um, to, uh, to continue to honor them. But what they have set up in their religious tradition is they could... It's kind of like a, a you know a tax uh, a tax loophole that you can get through. They could they could say they could count up all their wealth and possession and income and say, all right, but the certain amount that I have is dedicated to God. It's given to God. It's something that I'm that I'm going to at some point give to God. And because of that, I really don't have money that I'm able to give uh, to my parents. He says, because you set up this tradition, uh, you're not even following God's command and its application to you, right? Uh, what you see is what they're doing. They're pretending to do everything right. They're pretending to have cared so much about God's commands that they even set up other rules to make sure that it preserves that they do everything right. And in pretending to do everything right, they're actually rebelling against God, rebelling against his specific commands, leaving them aside uh, for the sake of man, he says, uh, for the sake of their tradition. Um, so... Don't reject Christianity 
because of hypocrites. Um, because Jesus says that's not Christianity. Jesus says that's not Christianity, that Jesus himself is rejecting a hypocrite, and that's not what his kingdom is about. But here's, here's the hard thing. Um, I, I've never met anyone who doesn't struggle uh, with hypocrisy to some degree. Uh, and I'm not just saying I've never met any Christians who don't struggle with hypocrisy to some degree. I've never met anyone who doesn't struggle with hypocrisy some of your atheist, agnostic, whatever, anyone. Because um, hypocrisy is pretending that we're better than we are. I went, and I went and looked up my Webster's Dictionary. It didn't say exactly that, but that was pretty much how what it said. It's pretending, I uh, used the word pretending, pretending that we're uh, uh, better, just trying to give off a better impression of us outwardly than what's actually true about us. Um, I think most of us call, call that like living, right? Like that's, that's socializing. Um, that, that's, you know, that's putting on makeup. That's deciding what we're going to wear. That's how we talk to people. That's taking through our conversations uh, that, we'll, that we'll have. It's pretending that we're better than um, How many of you would like others to think better of you than they actually should, right? Like, like my hands up. I want people to be confused about who I actually am so they think I'm, so they think I'm wonderful. Um, yeah, that's true. Um, no, but honestly, we're afraid of people knowing who we really are. Um, that's why it's difficult to be in, in close relationships with people. It's, it's difficult to be in long, sustained friendships and to ever let those conversations go beyond the surface into what you're really struggling with. Um, we're hiding. Um, I, you know, uh, I was talking with Christina and Brittany the other day, and uh, the kids called, or I called home, and I was talking to the kids, and it was, it was funny because dad was being answered, and like she was being sweet with me, and I was being sweet with her, and, and they're just like, "Oh, he's such a great dad," and I'm like, "That's really great." They think I, they know how much I love my kids, and I love my kids. Um, but um, there's times when I would be ashamed for you uh, to see me get angry with my kids, um, and I love my children; they're beautiful and they're wonderful, and and I'll get angry with them. And if I saw a snapshot of myself in that moment, I would. I would close that up and go burn. Uh, I, I, there's things that we don't want anyone to see. We don't want you to know what's going on in the inside of our lives, right? But hypocrisy is pretending to be better than we are. But that's how we, we live. Um, and, and why do we pretend to be better than we are? Because we place man before God. Because we can deceive people into how they who they think we are. We can deceive uh, them. God sees the heart. We're not fooling God. Um, God's everywhere. My, my, my kids know that. They know that for them and they know that for me when I'm there with them and those not so great moments. God sees all things. Um, we're not fooling him. He sees through our hearts. But, I mean, we can get other people to think good things about us. Uh, we can find ways to impress them. Uh, Jesus says, this people honors me with their lips outwardly how about their heart is far from me? Now, their worship, you can think what the Pharisees would think of this, their worship is in vain. It's useless. Uh, it's, it's empty. It has no meaning because they're not coming to me. They're just trying to look good before others. Um, we're called to be even repenting, repenting of our righteousness, repenting of the things that we can put on to look good before other people. Because um, that's, I don't know what that is, um, um, but, uh, um, but, but we put on our good deeds and we trust in, and that's, that's elitism. 
Um, that's us trying to make ourselves look good so that we can judge ourselves in relation to others. Um, it's self-righteousness. It's hypocrisy. We begin to see our, uh, we're, we're called to repent of our righteousness. We begin to see ourselves before God first, not other people. Uh, we see Jesus rejecting uh, the hypocrites. And then secondly, we see him uh, contradicting them. And particularly how he emphasizes uh, the difference between the outside and the inside. Um, in verse 10, he's, he's just straight up contradicting them and, and right in front of them. I love this, right? He's just totally dissed on the Pharisees. And he's taken Isaiah and said, like, that's God, that, that God's rejection is about you. And then he goes to all the people and calls them around to him and says, hear and understand, I'm going to tell you what's right. You've listened to them and their blindness. Uh, Here's what's right. Hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of a mouth. This defiles a person. It's not that ritual uncleanliness or what they come into contact with. Um, Jesus is is straight up contradicting them. You've all all been contradicted at times, right? that work project group for one of your one of your classes, and you're talking about what needs to be done, and you're like, oh, you know, I've got a, I think we should go about it this way, and someone's like, no, no, it's not going to work, you know. Or I remember the teacher saying that we were supposed to. Well, actually, what he said was, right? you're just like seething inside. I feel like it doesn't take more than like five minutes if you get the wrong person in the group. You're like, why do we have to have a group project? I I hate this, right? Um, it's offensive. We, we feel devalued. We don't like it at all. Um, we, we hate it even when we're actually wrong. Like the person contradicts us and we're like, that is what he said. But we still are like spiteful against that person because they, they contradict us, right? Um, Jesus is contradicting them. He won't allow their pretended elitism to go forward. He's not willing for it to continue in their kingdom or for others to be uh, led off by it. And he brings out this contrast between the outside and the inside as as they're concerned about the defilement. Uh, He says that it doesn't come from outside, but it comes from the inside. And interacting with a whole uh, whole Jewish system of defilement and impurity, you're able to become unclean by coming in contact with or touching certain things. Maybe what we're more familiar with is the dietary laws, right? If you not bacon is unclean. Um, and so if you eat bacon, you're, you're, you're ceremonially unclean uh, before the Lord uh, in that time, right? Um, and he's, he's talking about all this, all this system of, of defilement. He said it's not what happens on the outside that matters, it's what comes out from the inside. It's referring to the heart. Um, now, I hope all of you eat bacon because it tastes, makes everything taste better. And Jesus, in the Mark version of this passage, says that all that stuff is, is, is done away with. Um, so the things that we deal with are, are different, but we still have the same focus oftentimes on the outside, on the external. The defilement are those things out there that we come in contact with, that the lead us astray or bring us down, uh, and those things are the problem. Uh, so it's substance abuse. It's alcohol that's a problem. Alcohol itself is the issue, or, or uh, it's marijuana, or it's drugs that are the problem. We've got to eliminate all these things. Or, or our culture is messed up because of the media always saying one thing or another and how people listen to it. Or, or we're so, uh, you know, TVs and movies are the problem. They make us obsessed with sex and violence and, and entertainment uh, constantly. 
if those things are common, we would just all, I knew a guy actually who, uh, this long time ago, he, he took his TV outside, actually, I was younger, so it was these guys, my friend's dad took their TV outside and shot their TV, <laughs> right? Um, the problem was the TV, and he took care of it, right? Um, and I'm sure from there, their household was perfectly holy. Um, <clears throat> that's the way we act a lot of times when things are on the, on the external. Um, that if we got rid of pornography, if we could eliminate the pornography uh, industry, um, then we would have a sexually pure culture, right? And, and everyone dresses modestly. And, you know, like, we eliminate those external things. Or maybe, you know, it's the, it's the people that you hang around. Uh, they brought you down. Um, and and uh, there's, there's ways where, you, where that influences you. But when you're blaming other people for things that you've done, you... You've missed where sin is. You've missed where the defilement comes. There's the situation you're in. There's the circumstances. I mean, Florida State's a hard place to be a Christian. There's the circumstances that cause you to do wrong. There's there some situations and circumstances you should avoid, but you should avoid them because of your issues inside your own heart. It's not the outside like the Pharisees care about, but the internal um, that, that is the real issue. Uh, Jesus is saying this following comes not from the external source. Sin is not external to us. Um, the way Jesus puts it, a little bit later uh, in the passage to the disciples, uh, it goes, what, what, what's outside of you goes into the mouth and then into the stomach. And the Greek is very little, literal here, and it goes into the toilet. <laughs> the point is, the stuff outside of you can't change the inside of who you are. It doesn't have that power. It's not able to. It, it, it ends up in the toilet. Um, that's not, that's not the, the, the issue. See, the whole thing about being hypocritical is trying to look one way outside while another thing's true inside. Um, it's a lot easier to deal with outside and external things. Um, you can... You can put on makeup, right? You can, you can avoid, you can hide from certain situations. You can move somewhere else. Um, we can control and deal with those kind of things. We feel like that's within our power. Uh, we feel like we can make ourselves good or we can at least like work hard to make ourselves a little bit better in, the, in all the right circumstances. Um, but what, what do we do when the problem is internal? Or when the problem is inside you? Um, what comes out of your mouth, Jesus says, how would you like to be judged uh, by the things that have come, that you've said lately, that's come out of your mouth about other people, or about how you've talked about yourself to others? Um, Jesus, in verse 19, he says, Out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, false witness, a slander. I mean, why do you think that you said bad things about someone else? Uh, slander. Where do you think I came from? Why do, you, why do you think it is that you struggle with sexual lust? Um, where do those evil thoughts come from? You get mad and you all of a sudden picture yourself bashing someone's head in, right? And with those violent movies that you watch. Um, where are those thoughts? You don't know enough pictures bashing someone else's head in, okay? Um, well, your evil thoughts, where do they come from? They come from our evil hearts. That's what Jesus is saying. All those things that we even think about, they're there because our heart is so messed up on the inside. Is that, is that offensive to say? Especially offensive to the Pharisees. Um, see, I, I love the disciples here in this passage. They're like, 
like, Jesus, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when you said that? Yes, yes. Let me tell you more about what I think about the Pharisees here. Um, yes, it's offensive. It's offensive because it says we're, we're really deeply, deeply broken. A deeply messed up inside who we are, our character. Um, not just that we're kind of needing the needing people to help us out, needing a tune-up, needing an oil change, needing a, uh, a realignment. It's a bad engine. Transmission's wrong. Um, right? You always want to be able to say, someone to say about you or to be able to say about someone, they have a good heart. They have a good heart. Jesus is saying all those things come out of the evil of our heart, the defilement of our heart. Um, it's especially offensive to those who are pretending that they, that they ain't broken, that they don't need fixing. Uh, the Pharisees, hypocrites, or hypocritical tendencies is to make the outside look good. Jesus condemns them for how they concern, for that concern of focusing the outside instead of the inside. Who can deal with the heart? Our status before God isn't on the basis of external things, of, of what we can do good before God or what we've done bad uh, before God. But it says that God looks at the heart. Jesus rejects the religious elite, contradicts uh, them and their hypocrisy, um, and, and, and Jesus replaces them, in a sense, uh, with himself. And particularly here, in these contrast, man and God, uh, um, outside and inside, here just in between defiled and clean. How do we have a clean heart? Um, some of you are like, your mind's wandering while we're talking because you're kind of wondering what's going to happen in the offense. You know, you're, you, you get hungry. I know how it works. You're sitting here and you're like hungry, so then you're like, oh, I want Moe's. And then like a second later you're like, oh, and then after Moe's we get to watch the office. And then you're like replaying episodes of the office in your head. That's fine. I understand. Right? Um, and, and I'm not sure how it's going to work out between kind of the power struggle that's going on in the office right now. You know, Michael and Jim, what's, what's happening? Um, uh, but uh, but he can forgive the reference. And in, in, the, in the kingdom of God, uh, Jesus is not going to be co-managers with the hypocrites. Um, these are these are who the people in his day are looking up to as the leaders in, in God's kingdom. They're setting the standard for us of what righteousness looks like. And we're looking to them to, to lead us. That's, that's how it uh, seems to be set up. And Jesus isn't going to be co-managers. They're not going to have a leadership role in his kingdom. Uh, he says they're detrimental. They're blind. Another passage where he brings it out uh, even more. Uh, they're blind, and when the blind are leading the blind, you know, lead them into a pit. Um, if all we can offer is how to how to hide better, how to cover up, how to change circumstances, how to how to mask our uh, stench with a certain perfume, um, we, we've really we've really got nothing. That's that's not Christ's kingdom. He calls his, his disciples to just leave them alone. Leave them alone. Have nothing to do with them. He even goes so far as to, to say that they're, they're going to be rooted up, right? Well, I want to say, do you know the Pharisees are offended? This is how Jesus answered. Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. They don't have a place in his kingdom. Um, they're being removed. Uh, they're being, in a sense, uh, replaced with Jesus who's that, who's that true vine. Now, now, in some ways, the disciples you know, have influence in, in Christ's kingdom, called as, as apostles sent out from Christ. But even here in this passage, right, you already see their, their confusion. They're, they're struggling with this. Um, Peter, Peter says to Jesus, ah, yeah, uh, you know, could you explain this parable to us? 
right? Because a lot of times Jesus talks in, in parables. They're a little bit hard to, to understand. But, but Jesus isn't talking in a parable here, right? It's not some kind of crazy story. He's giving just straight teaching. What's, it's, it's not the outside, it's the inside. It's not honoring me with their lips, but in the heart. Um, and they're still confused um, with it. All of Scripture has showed up how God's concerned with the heart. Look at this parable. But we do struggle with it. So why do we struggle with this so much? It's outside and the internal, uh, the external and the internal. Why do we struggle with this so much? Um, I'll tell you for me, I know how to wash my hands. Some of you may wonder. I, I know how to wash my hands. You know, I, I go to the Corel dispenser. I can, yeah, if I want to, I could even spend, you know, the whole doctor, like, scrub down and really get my hands clean. If they, I've been out in some really nasty stuff. I know where the Gojo is in my house, right? you got the Gojo or the, the little orange stuff that, uh, what's that? Yeah. And the, I just have the Gojo. Okay. What is it? Yeah, the orange stuff that smells great. You know, you know how to wash your hands. Um... We don't know how to wash our hearts. Um, we can't wash our hearts. Uh, Proverbs 20, verse 9 says, Who can say, I have made my heart pure? Who can say that? Who can say, I have made my heart pure? I am clean from sin, from my sin. How do we deal with defilement that's deeply rooted in our, in our hearts? Well, ultimately we'll see it's, it's, it's through Jesus. But Jesus himself is replacing the, the Pharisees as anyone who's, 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 who's showing what his kingdom is about. Jesus is the king in his kingdom. Jesus is the one head of his church. And Jesus is the one who understands uh, the depth of our defilement. Not just to deal with the ritual external things, but he is the one who's able to deal with the defilement of our hearts and make our hearts clean. Jesus is the one who comes uh, in humility and sacrifice. Uh, for us, uh, in love uh, for us, and in perfect obedience to represent us. This is why Christ was rejected on the cross, uh, because he was defiled before God, because as representing us, he was bearing on himself all the things that we're ashamed of, all the things that I don't want you to ever see about my life and you don't want me to see about yours, and all those things that people have seen we wish they didn't. And that Jesus has borne those things on the cross and cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus became the one who was rejected from God's presence uh, so that we might be brought back into his family and into his love uh, through Christ's resurrection for us. That he has taken the penalty for our guilt. He's taken the load of our shame of defilement. And Christ uh, is able to give a new heart, a clean heart, uh, one out of which flow uh, even the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, it's a new covenant, Scripture says, by His blood. A new covenant in Jeremiah 31 where He uh, puts a new heart in His people um, where He is able to make our hearts uh, clean. So we hear from Psalm 51 that we're continually uh, washed in His blood because we, we still see bad things coming out in our life. Continually our heart is made clean. God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us uh, from all unrighteousness, First John 1, 9 says. Jesus in the Gospel is even reversing hypocrisy. You can follow this. Uh, Romans 5 says, uh, we, have, we have hope that does not put us to shame as those who are defiled. It does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. 
We have a new, clean heart that's controlled by the Spirit of Christ. And no longer are we trying to look better on the outside than we are on the inside because it is Christ in us. And we are, we are instead struggling trying to let what is inside control the outside. The flesh and the Spirit are still waging war against one another, but we're not trying to hide the inside. The inside has been made clean by Christ. And He is working that out gradually in obedience. So we're resting in Him. That happens, change in the kingdom comes from the inside out. Uh, it's the opposite of hypocrisy, and it's only through Christ uh, that He alone covers our defilement. And he alone uh, makes us clean. Jesus deals with the uh, religious elite. Um, he deals with their hypocrisy. He deals with our struggle and hypocrisy as well. Hypocrisy is the opposite of pretending and elitism and self-righteousness is the opposite of what Christ works in his kingdom. He gives it no place. It doesn't represent him. His is all the glory and he has shared it with us, even worked it out in us. And in realizing our own hypocrisy, we're called to continually run to Christ. Give up pretending. Be willing to be open before others and honest before God of how far off we are from his commandments. Uh, but that he has replaced self-righteousness with with Christ who has come for us, who has represented us. Uh, And our prayer gets to continually be that of uh, Psalm 51, just to close with a few verses uh, from this prayer of confession uh, and looking to God in Psalm 51. It says, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Uh, Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Not what we do, it's what God does. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. God's pray. Lord God, we, we struggle to admit uh, defilement, and yet our hearts know a lot of shame. Um, Lord, we pray that you give us strength uh, to understand uh, that you can see uh, that shame, and then in Christ you can take it away uh, and clothe us in perfect obedience uh, and acceptance and even approval because of who Jesus is. Uh, Lord, we thank you for grace like this, and we confess that we, we often approach you with, with our filthy rags. Um, but Lord, we, uh, we pray that we would come to you in Christ, that you would nourish our souls in him, and that what you work inside us by your spirit would come out uh, for your glory, for Christ's glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.